This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to Episode 8 of Countdown to GDPR. Today, we take up Subject Access Requests, or SARs. SARs may turn out to be one of the most onerous, costly, and time-consuming issues for companies after the go-live date of GDPR, which of course is May 25, 2018. Further, of all the requirements of GDPR, this may be the single one which companies are most likely to be unprepared for or, conversely, least prepared for going into the new GDPR regime. This is something you need to take quite seriously. As always, I'm joined by Jonathan Armstrong. Jonathan's a partner at Quartery Compliance in London, a well-known data privacy, data protection, data practitioner. Countdown to GDPR is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back with Jonathan Armstrong for another episode of Countdown to GDPR. Today, we're going to take a look at data subject rights, which I think for the United States, compliance practitioner or data privacy officer may be one of the most difficult things to get their arms around of. Around, We're going to explore what you can do now to help get you ready for the GDPR go-live date of May 25. So Jonathan, with that, why don't we just jump right into it and tell us what is the main subject right uh, under the new GDPR? So I think the main right, the one that will be most commonly used, is the right of subject access. The right of subject access exists already under um, EU law in in all uh, EU states. And it's the right of an individual to go to any organisation and say, tell me the data that you hold on me. Now, in most jurisdictions, you can charge a small fee for that. The fee is generally fairly trivial, but it does put off a lot of applicants. So post GDPR Go Live, we're going to see a significant increase in the number of subject access requests that people will make. And <coughs> excuse me, the, and it's as wide as you think it is. You can say, tell me the data you have on me. So if that's an airline that you're making the request against, that's going to be your records of traveling on that airline and passport details if they hold them and details of where your luggage has been, etc., etc. And answering these requests can be difficult indeed. Some of our clients say that they spend between 100 and 300 hours per request. Not only have you got to fulfill the request by giving the data you have, but you should redact out the data on other people. So let's say it's emails, for example, then the email might be sent to Tom Fox, but 10 other people have been copied in. You've probably got to redact out the details of those other 10 people. Let's say it's a email relating to performance appraisal and a senior manager is saying, uh, let me tell you how my seven direct reports performed in their performance appraisals this year. You've got to disclose the information on that one individual who's made the request, but redact the information on the other six. And oftentimes that isn't as easy as it seems because uh, there might be words like he or she which will point to who the individual uh, is in a team. There's things like um, cell phone details, for example, which might be on the footers of emails that would identify individuals. And all of that stuff's got to be redacted out as well. So once again, for the U.S. compliance practitioner or the U.S. uh, data protection uh, professional, uh, that is going to be, I think, 
uh, almost antithetical, antithetical to the way we do business here in the U.S., which most companies can keep things confidential. So, um, uh, at least in the EU or the U.K., are the regulators going to take this subject uh, right uh, seriously and enforce this, or is this something that companies can really slough off on? No, I think they are going to enforce it. I don't. I, I think in my hierarchy of things to worry about, it's below security breach. If you lose somebody's data, uh, they are going to be mad, and a regulator is almost certainly going to take action. But don't forget the fact that SARs are uh, subject access requests are often made to get at things like data breaches. So if you look at the Schrems litigation, for example, the Schrems litigation, that sort of famous long-running piece of litigation against Facebook in Europe, which eventually takes down Safe Harbor, that starts with a subject access request. So usually SARs are used as the prelude to a longer play. And they can be used in some jurisdictions a little bit like you might use pre-action discovery in the US to try and get information to see if there is a case that's worth running. Now, regulators traditionally have, uh, and courts, have frowned upon SARs being used as, as pre-action discovery. We've got lots of case law on that in the last few years, but people are trying to make cases, make complaints, uh, using SARs to get a lot of data to sweat and then decide what to do next. Jonathan, one of the things it seems to me you've em emphasized throughout this podcast series is uh, companies need to have a process and a procedure in place. Yeah. Do you advocate uh, the same approach around subject access requests? And if so, could you detail some of the procedural steps you would advocate a company put in place? Yeah, absolutely. I think for most organizations, it's similar to security breach again. You need two processes in place. The first should go to almost everybody in the organization. If in doubt, why not everybody? And it should tell them what a, what a subject access request looks like and what they should do with it. And in most cases, that's going to be a clear, uh, simple, down-to-earth policy. And it might say something as simple as, if somebody requests information from us, whether they specifically mention the word subject access or not, pass it to Jane, our data protection officer. Don't reply, um, and she'll take it further. So for the wide employee population, that might be good enough. Remember that uh, whilst a... Uh, subject access request does have to be made in writing. In some circumstances, an oral communication could be a valid subject access request. And requests via social media, for example, a post on the company's Facebook page, will count as a valid SAR. And then there should be a more detailed procedure for the DPO or her delegates in country or whatever to handle those requests to go through whether it's a valid request. Many requests that are made are overbroad or they're requests for data in a format that you don't necessarily have to provide it in, etc., etc. So there needs to be a more highly trained person uh, there who can diagnose whether that request is validly made and deal with it. 
but don't slip up the opportunity in most cases to speak to the data subject. Sometimes there's a rumbling discontent behind the SER and it might be that you can resolve the underlying issue and avoid an SER. You can't force an individual to withdraw their request, but you might be able to make them whole again so that they go away. And then the final thing to say is obviously we've concentrated on subject access, they're going to be the most common requests, but there are various other rights that data subjects have under GDPR, so they have the right to be forgotten, much debated, uh, officially called the right to erasure, where you can say, you know, I used to work for you five years ago, I wish you to forget the fact that I've worked, please delete my employment records, and there are more defences to that, but you can um, you can you can make that uh, that request. There's a right to data portability. So let's say, for example, I'm a, a utility group, and I, I and you've sold me gas for the last eight years, and I want to move to a new gas provider. But the new gas provider says, Jonathan, I can't really price this because I don't know how much gas you've used in the last five years. I can ask the outgoing gas provider to give me my uh, wattages to pass on to the incoming gas provider. So there's all sorts of other rights as well. I'd say, wouldn't I, that for those, they're newer, more complex, and you're probably going to need to take proper external advice on how to handle those, particularly if it's something like data portability, which could be business critical for you. So I've been visiting with uh, Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Quarterly Compliance. Today we've been taking a look at subject access requests, what they are, how companies comply with them, and really the importance that you be ready for them. Jonathan, as always, thank you. Mm, pleasure. Hello again, this is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Countdown to GDPR. I've recently published a white paper on GDPR. It's available from Corporate Compliance Insights. You should check out their website. Uh, they featured it on the first page. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If you want the true expert, Jonathan Armstrong, you can email him at jonathan.armstrong at quarterycompliance.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Countdown to GDPR. Our next episode will post after GDPR has gone live, so we will no longer be counting down. We will be in the GDPR regime. I hope you will check it out. We will continue the podcast going forward. Countdown to GDPR is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.